you, know, you guys may know this or may not, but I coach uh, upward soccer here at the church with my, with my kids. And uh, so we were doing devotions on uh, Monday's practice, and we were just talking about giving thanks in all circumstances. And, and I, I kind of had this, <clears throat> this visual for them of like a scale, okay? And so you can sometimes feel like life is unfair, and it just feels like everything bad it keeps happening in your life weighs the scale down and then you lose sight of what God has done and so it just feels like all the bad stuff and and struggles and the difficulties of life make the scale feel like this and so I told the kids that and then I said okay kids what's one thing that God has done for us that tips the scales always back to this way where everything God has given us always outweighs all the other stuff and uh, I had two two kids two of the girls on my team both acknowledge a puppy. So their dog was, was the thing that tipped the scales. I had somebody else say it was practice and soccer. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You know, I, I know you love soccer just as much as I do. And then I had another one <clears throat> say this. He said, um, he was really shy. He said, um, he, he gave us uh, salvation. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. We're on to something. Give me more, give me more. He's like, in Jesus? I was like, Bingo, that's it. That's the one that always tips the scale right back to this. And, and I tell you that because one of the things that I am really convicted about, and I, I say it for my own life, and it's in that song that we just sang in Waymaker. You know, it, it's that moment of like, even when I can't feel God, he is still working. And, and for a lot of you guys, if you don't feel God, then you feel like he's not there or he's not real. And so the feeling is really important to you. But, but praise God that, that even when you don't feel like he's real or even when you don't feel like he's helping or even when you feel like things aren't going your way, he is still working on your behalf. Like praise God for that. And, and the thing that really has been on my mind a lot, and I say again, for my own life, not just for you guys, but for my own life, has been how often, <clears throat> and it happens just easily for us, but how often... This whole idea of Jesus and singing about him and being saved and um, him forgiving your sin, all that just becomes conceptions. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like a, a concept in your life. Like, Jesus died for me. Okay, I know that to be real. But we don't really take the time to recognize that Jesus is a real person and a real person in your life. And I just feel like we've... we've we lose that, and I, I recognize that in my life, it's easy for me to drift easily because you know what happens is life just starts happening, and the wheels start turning, and, and you get busy, and everything in your life just kind of starts rolling along, and then before you know it, you kind of just kind of feel bleh, like spiritually blah, and that's when you feel like even, I don't, I don't feel God, so is he working? I don't really know if he is, and I, and I just share that with you, being honest, like, that was one of the things that God really pushed on me last week. And just being honest with you, like, I struggle with that too. You know, there are times when it just becomes easy just to, you know, quote scripture or to just kind of go through the motions of it. But he is real. Like, Jesus is alive. And he is speaking to you and walking with you daily. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. And so my hope tonight is that we can capture a bit of that. We are only going to cover one verse. We're going we're gonna to do a lot of work in one verse tonight. And uh, uh, I think it was Zach 
in our connect group on Sunday said that uh, we kind of gave Alex, you know, like the short end of the stick, or I think he said you did him dirty because last week I gave him one verse. I gave him uh, James 5.12, and he, had a, he did a great job handling that. Um, this week, I'm only taking one verse as well. So, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And I gave him one. I'm giving myself one. So there you go. James 5.13, really easy. Ready? Here it is. Is anyone among you suffering? I'm going to stop there. I'm only halfway through the verse and we're already stopping. Is anyone among you suffering? I don't need a show of hands, but some of you guys hear that and you go, yep, I am. And that could be anything. We're going to get to that in a second. James asks the question, if you are suffering, here's the answer, let him pray. That's it. That's the remedy. If you are suffering, pray. Second question, is anyone cheerful? Well, if you are, praise God. Again, you don't have to raise your hands right now because you might annoy the person who is suffering who might be sitting right next to you right now, okay? So you don't need to like go, yeah, I'm cheerful and I'm great and we, we can probably all tell if you are. Um, so you don't need to like make a show of it. But if you are cheerful, if you're going through a season right now where things just seem to be kind of working themselves out and things have been going pretty well recently for you, praise God for that. And that is the answer that James tells you. If that is you, let him sing praise. So if you're suffering, pray. And if you are in a good spot, if you are cheerful, if you're experiencing a season of joy, let him sing praise. And it's not just through song. He's also, he's, he's really talking about prayer. He's saying you should pray with thanksgiving. You should sing out God's praises in your prayers to God. That's what you should do if you are doing, if you're going through something that is good right now. So here's the simple truth. And I'm going to, I'm not going to talk as much tonight either because we're going to get to that in a second. But, but here's the simple truth. Prayer is appropriate in any situation. Okay. Prayer is appropriate in any situation, whether you are suffering or you are cheerful. And the reason why he establishes that is because he's trying to show you the opposite ends of your experiences and your emotions, right? So on one end over here, you're suffering. Things stink. Life is hard. It does not seem fair. That is going on. Listen, people experience that all the time. And if you're not experiencing that right now, you've probably experienced a time in your life where it has been like that. And if you haven't experienced a time in your life like that, at some point you will. Okay, so when you are suffering, pray. But when you're over here and things are rosy and cheerful and all those things are good, it's the same thing. You should continue to pray. Prayer is appropriate in any situation. Good, bad, ugly, in the middle, anything in between those two extremes of suffering and cheer, prayer is appropriate in all of them. And that's the point that he wants you to make. Now, when he says the word suffering, he says it in, in the Greek word. I'm not going to break down the Greek word, but I'm just going to define it for you really quickly. It's any form of internal or external hardship. Okay, and I love that because I think that's really important for you to understand. He's not just talking about like suffering, like you're getting beaten, okay, like they did back in biblical times. He's talking about any type of suffering. And that could be like your, your body isn't working right and you're, you're suffering from some type of illness, okay, you, your mental state right now has been a little broken, or you're really, you're really kind of sensitive right now. Things have just kind of beaten you up a little bit emotionally and mentally. Okay, that's a type of suffering he's addressing. 
externally people have been jerks to you or have spoken mean things about you, even in those cases, if that's what you're going through, or you just haven't experienced kindness, just genuine kindness that you should get from people, like to be human towards one another. People have just been unkind to you recently. Even that, that's a form of suffering that he is addressing. In all of those forms, pray. That's what he's telling us to do. Now here's our instincts, and this is all really a great summary of the whole book of James that we started way back in August. But our instincts tell us when we suffer, you should grumble, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, and if you want to know the the reference for that, go to uh, chapter 5, verse 9. Grumble when things go bad. That's what we instinctually want to do. We just want to grumble about it, want to murmur. Or we want to get angry. That's why in James 1, 19 through 20, he says, do not get angry. Because in your anger, it's not going to turn into righteousness, Okay, but, but a lot of times when we suffer, we get angry, either at God or at people or at the situation, whatever. We get angry. That's an instinct. We can become discouraged. He talks about that in chapter 1, verse 2. When trials come about you, count it joy. He's saying that because typically when trials come, we don't go, whew, I'm, I'm going to handle this. We usually get upset and discouraged. And finally, uh, our instincts often when we start to suffer, we start to fight against other people. It's kind of like a dog backed into a corner, you know, like when we are suffering, anybody comes near us, man, don't mess with that person. They're in a bad mood right now because they're suffering. They're dealing with something internally or externally that's difficult in their life, but you come along and man, they are just coming after you. And you'd be like, I didn't do anything wrong. doesn't matter because they're in a place where they're vulnerable, they're hurting, and often that's our instinct is to fight one another. You can look at chapter 4, verses 2 and 11. For evidence of that. Instead, James is telling us the Christian response to suffering, internal or external, big, small, medium, extra medium, whatever size, whatever package the suffering comes in, he says the Christian response is prayer. Why is it prayer? Well, because God wants to hear from you. And I, I, could, I could spend the rest of the night just digging through scripture with you. And we could highlight and underline and continue to go to page after page of God's word that tells you and invites you where God wants you to talk to him about difficult things. Things that are hard. Things that are causing you pain. He wants you to talk about them with him. He wants you to pour out and spill out all of that to him and give it over to him and ask him to be involved in it. But I'll just give you two psalms, and they're actually right back to back. They're easy to find. Psalm 17, 6 and 7, and Psalm 18, 6. First Psalm 17, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Psalm 18, in my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. If you go through the book of Psalms, and and a lot of people read the book of Psalms daily or often, one thing I'm going to tell you in the book of Psalms, and we did a short sermon series on it way back when, when I first started here, back pre-COVID. We did a short little look into Psalms. But one phrase you should always look out for in the Psalms is steadfast love. The Lord's steadfast love. It appears over and over and over. And it's one of the most beautiful phrases of scripture. Because it means no matter what is happening in your life, 
No matter what you have done in your life, God's love for you is steadfast, immovable, unchanging, and it does not look different than it did when things were going well. Wow, praise God. Like That is good news. So, so when he wondrously, the psalmist prays and asks, wondrously show me your steadfast love. If you are suffering right now, a hardship, whether it's internal, external, medium, big, extra medium, small, whatever it is, this is what you do. You call upon the Lord and you say, man, Lord, answer me, please. Incline your ear to me. Listen to what's going on. And I know that you will show your steadfast love. I want to see that love. I want to know and feel that love again. Tell me how much you love me. Show me again all the things that you will do because your hand is the one that saves. And you're the refuge that I will hide in. Like, that's the prayer. That's the prayer if you're suffering. That's, that's what the psalmist is inviting you to do and, and showing you and proving that God listens and he inclines his ear when you're in trouble. Now on the flip side, okay? A lot of people can pray when you're in trouble. A lot of people can. You ever been on an airplane that hits turbulence and little baggies drop down and they go, you know, fasten your seatbelts, this could be bad. You find a lot of people praying then, right? It's easy to pray when the plane is going down in a hurry, even if it pulls out of the tailspin of the turbulence. It's a lot more rare to find people who are often praying when they're on the beach and it's perfect, sun's shining, they got a nice umbrella so they're not getting roasted and like sunburn. It's a lot less frequent that you see people praying in those situations, right? But again, the Christian response is to praise in prayer. Cheerful just means this feeling within of happiness. That's all that means. That's, that's not super biblical. You don't have to have a degree to get through the Greek words in this. When he says, if you are cheerful, is anyone cheerful? All he's saying is, do you have a feeling of happiness within you? Do you have a feeling of happiness because of the things around you are causing that to stir up in you? Are you happy? And if so, sing out praise to God. Sing it out. But here again is why this is such an important reminder. You may think, well, yeah, duh, you should praise in prayer. But do we do it? Because here's the instincts that I often see in my own heart and I often see in the people around me. When things are going well, we often think things are going well because I'm great. It was me. I did it at all. I made this awesome because I'm so amazing. Check James 3.14 if you want to see proof of that. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. We have this idea that when things are going really well, it's because we are super great and wise. And James has already warned us about that. It's not you, it's God. But that's our instinct. Another one is that we often like to compare or judge others. You can find that in James 4.12. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? When we are doing very well or we are happy, a lot of times we compare ourselves to other people. And at the expense of their happiness, we enjoy our happiness. Right? Like we go, oh yeah. I am, again, I'm awesome. This person, not so awesome. And that somehow, sometimes can actually be the source of your cheer. That's not good. Okay, that's kind of gross. We, sh we should talk about that, okay? But again, this is one of those things that instinctually we do when things are going well. Here's the other one. Um, in James 1.17, don't you realize that every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's chapter 1, verse 17. Sometimes we, things are going well, we just simply flat out don't acknowledge that God is the source of those good things. And that's just the reality. So again, James is trying to tell you whether it's, it's suffering or cheer, the Christian response is prayer. 
that's the Christian life. It's, it's a life bathed, soaked up in prayer. Now, here's what I have noticed about my prayer life, and, and here's what I don't want you to do walking way out of here tonight. Because I've sat through many different talks, many different sermons that focus on prayer. I've gone through Bible studies on prayer. And a lot of times, we end up walking out of here going, I just stink at that. And I just feel more guilty about my lack of prayerlessness than when I started this whole thing. And I don't want you to walk out of here like that. Okay, I don't want you to leave here tonight and go, man, okay, I know I have to pray more. I know I have to pray without ceasing. That's in somewhere in Thessalonians or something. I, don't know, I know that, but I don't. And so am I more of a failure because I continue to not pray? That's not what I want you to get out of this. What I want you to get out of this is I want you to know that God is accessible to you, and I want you to have the opportunity to go to him in prayer. I don't mean for you to have an hour-long prayer time, but if you do, praise God. But start somewhere and know that he is there to listen to you and he is for you. Here are the common hurdles I see to my own prayer life. And I often think this is one of the, the aspects of my spiritual life that I continue to struggle and I get upset with myself over. So that's why I say all that with you because I know the feeling. I've been there. All right. But one, some of the common hurdles that I see are sometimes you just don't know what to say. You just frankly don't know how to even start the conversation with the Lord or, the, or what to even say in a situation because you're just so flustered. You're just like, man, I, I just can't even wrap my brain around what is happening right now. I don't even have the words. Well, if that's you, here's, here's a great, you don't have to flip there and I'll have it on the screen, but I'll read it for you. Romans 8, 26, which is such an encouragement. And I remember when I first read this verse, it was like, man, this is such good news for me. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for, uh, for as we ought. So we don't even know what to pray as we should. Like, there's a right way of praying, and I don't even know how to do it sometimes. I don't even know the words to say. But praise God that the verse goes on, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for us, for the saints, according to the will of God. Man, it's such good news that God, even when I don't know what to say to him, situation's tough, I don't even have the words, or maybe I'm just so flustered and so upset that I just can't even speak out of my mouth or even in my head to God, praise God that the Holy Spirit jumps in, literally like jumps in front of God for you and goes, okay, here's what, here's what this person needs right now. They need this. And the, and the Holy Spirit does it in such a way that it's murmurings that you and I don't even understand because it's a holy language that happens only in the Trinity, only between God himself, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. When I, when I figured, I was like, when I got that picture of like the Holy Spirit just sliding right in and going up to the throne of God and, and talking to God for me, I was like, man, thank you. I need that. I need that. But I know that's a, that's a hurdle to my prayer life sometimes. I just don't know what to say. Here's another one. So just plain forget. Like you just forget. Like I said, sometimes the wheels of your life just get turning and you just start going and you just sometimes plumb forget to pray. And, and that's not good, but that is the human experience. That's why scripture always is coming back to how forgetful we are. We are just forgetful things and people. I've shared with you how many times before, like I have gone to the grocery store. I've been on the phone with Morgan, walking past the thing that she told me to get. And I'm like, uh-huh, I'll get that. I hang up the phone. It's right there. And what happens? I continue to walk by. The kids were with me on Monday, and it happened again. And it didn't come to roost until last night when she opens her fridge, and she goes, uh, where's the hummus? Mm. 
Yep, forgot that. We're forgetful. It's not good. I, I don't like it about myself. And, and I'm sure you hate it when you forget too. But we are forgetful people. And that's why in 2 Peter 1 he says this. He says, therefore, he makes it his goal. This is what Peter thinks of. At the, at the end of his life, at the end of his, all the things that Peter has experienced, this is what he says. I intend always to remind you of these qualities, all the things that Jesus has done for you, so that through them you know them and you are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Listen, you may, have, <clears throat> you may come to church a lot and hear, yeah, prayer is important. And it is, and I just feel like this is exactly what I have to do. I have to stir myself and you to wait by way of reminder. Prayer works, it is important, and God wants to hear from you. Whatever's happening, he wants to hear from you. Here's the last one. I think oftentimes we have a fear. And, and this one I think is, is, is interesting. Maybe this doesn't happen for you, but I, I've seen it in my own heart. And so I know there's nothing uncommon to man. So I think if it's going on in this sinful heart, it's probably happening in others. But I think one time, there are some people who are afraid to pray either because A, they're afraid that they have been so far away from God for so long that God's going to be mad when you show up. It's ever, you know, it's kind of like when you have neglected a friend and then all of a sudden you show up and you ask for something from them. Don't you feel kind of weird doing that? I mean, some of you guys don't. Some of you guys are like, hey, man, I'm just a mooch. I'm going to get whatever I can. I'm not going to take it, right? No, but like sometimes if you have a friend and you've just totally neglected them, and then it's like the most humiliating thing to like kind of come back to them and be like, hey, man, um, I know I haven't really been there for you lately. I know I've been kind of a jerk. I haven't even talked to you in a couple of years. Um, but can I have 50 bucks? Like some of you guys, if you have any type of like, I don't know, moral like fibers in your body, you kind of feel weird about that. I think sometimes that translates to the Lord. You, you've been so far away from him for some time, you haven't really paid attention to him, spent time with him, thought about him, talked to him, read his word, and so you just feel like he probably is going to be really disappointed when I show back up at his doorstep and ask him for something. So you're just afraid. Or maybe, maybe you're afraid to ask for something because what if God doesn't answer the prayer? And you're afraid that if he says no, either A, that won't help you, and maybe B, you're afraid even further that that would damage your trust in him. Like you're afraid if God doesn't answer prayers, you're afraid that that might make you think that he isn't good or he isn't real or he doesn't work. And so you're afraid to ask for bold, big things because you're afraid that if he says no or he takes time or doesn't do it in the, the time that you allot for him in your mind, because you've got a timeline of when you want that prayer answered and you offer it to God, and if he doesn't do it, you're afraid that that unanswered prayer will damage your faith. Or maybe the other aspect of this fear is you're afraid that if you ask for something and your things are going well, Maybe you're on the cheer side of things. You don't want to praise God too much because you're afraid, like, if I acknowledge things are going really well, God's going to just rip those out because he needs to teach me humility now. Or he's going to make me suffer because that's when people get refined. So I don't want to, like, I don't, I, you kind of tiptoe around the cheerfulness thing, right? Like, you're afraid to acknowledge, like, I'm really kind of in a good place right now, but I don't want to acknowledge that because if I do, then God's going to think, oh, he's too comfortable. Get him back over here, right? Like, you're afraid to acknowledge that things are going well. And praising God for that, because if you do, then God's going to pull that out. Can I, can I just tell you that that's not God's character? 
Like, that's the enemy telling you, don't get too, too excited, because God doesn't like it when you're excited. No, God loves it when you're excited. He loves it when you're cheerful. He loves it when things are going well for you. And here, here's the proof of that. You can go back to James 1, but also in Matthew 7, Jesus says this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which of you, if he has a son, asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If your son came up to you and said, yeah, I need food, would you give him a stone? Give him a rock. Or if he asked for fish, would you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, we're broken, sinful people, and we wouldn't do that to our own children, know how good, no, sorry, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's in the business. He's the one who's given you the good stuff. He doesn't just give it to you so then he can go, ha ha, take it away. No, he doesn't do that. And, and I think sometimes we're afraid to praise God and to be cheerful. So I want to connect this to something that I think oftentimes we neglect to do in church. I want to connect this to, to Jesus really quickly. And I want you to see that Jesus experienced suffering and cheer. And what he did is he went into prayer. He prayed. He prayed. Mark 14, 34. My soul is very sorrowful. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before he knows he's about to be crucified, he's sweating droplets of blood out of his pores because of the stress. He says, I'm sorrowful even till death. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Jesus knows suffering, and he answered it in prayer. He models that for us. This is, again, like, this is a real person who's with you now, and he wants you to go to God in prayer because he did it, and he knows that it works, and this is how he did it. When he was sorrowful even to death, he could say, no, there's no other place I'd rather be but in communion, talking to God, my Father. Jesus also knows cheer. There's only one time in the Gospels when it talks about Jesus rejoicing. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus was full of joy, but this is the only time you'll actually hear that he actively rejoiced. And it was just after he had sent out a bunch of disciples, and they come back with great reports that they had been casting out demons, and they had been doing all this amazing stuff. And Jesus says, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But here's what I don't want you to get excited about. Don't get excited about all the great works that you did because my power was flowing through you. Get excited about this, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what you should be excited about, that your name is written in the book, meaning you'll go to heaven one day. Like That's where you should be excited. So on the heels of that, Jesus rejoices, and listen to what he says. He says, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. There's two things, and this seems really weird, and we can get into a lot of deeper conversations about this, but I'm going to just keep it on the surface and pull some two little uh, principles for you really quickly, okay? Look at what Jesus thanks God for. Number one, he says, Lord of heaven and earth. He prays and thanks God for his rule and his dominion over everything. He acknowledges, God, you're in charge of heaven and earth. You're in charge of all creation. So he prays and praises and prays and thanks God 
for his rule. He also praises God for his will. He says, such is your gracious will. The way that God is revealing himself to those who know they are broken and need a, need a savior. Rather than the wise who go, eh, I don't really need any help here. God, God is praised for his rule and his will by Jesus. That's when Jesus was in cheer. I say all these things, and I want to end with, by doing something that I think is um, going to stretch you a little bit. And we've done stuff like this before, but we don't do it enough. And, and I, the other thing that I've been really convicted about is not just um, the concept of Jesus versus the person of Jesus aspect. But here's the other thing, is that in church, and I'm guilty of this, I'm not calling out other people, I'm calling myself out. In church, too often we are so guilty of just teaching you and telling you stuff and then saying okay now yeah yeah go do it rather than just doing stuff together so i thought how hypocritical and how dumb quite frankly would it be to go through 30 minutes talking about the importance of prayer whether you're suffering or cheerful and to not spend time together in prayer you know churches used to do prayer meetings Nowadays, if you did a prayer meeting, it would probably get something like this. Man, so-and-so's got a broken spleen, or so-and-so's like in the hospital, or so-and-so, ooh, so-and-so's not doing so hot. And it would become like this, you know, kind of a mixture of like a medical report and a gossip session. But you know, like historically, the church would do prayer meetings, and you know what would happen? They would not just pray for one another, but they would confess their sin. They would praise God and exalt his name, and they would also pray for the lost, they would pray for people who didn't know Jesus, and that's where it all started. I, I've been, I just started reading this because I got a ton of free material uh, when I was at this conference last week, um, literally like a cart full of books that I brought home, and I, you guys think, oh, he's a nerd. I am kind of a book nerd. You probably don't know that about me, but Charles Spurgeon, who I quote all the time, listen to what he said about prayer in a book called The Prayer Meeting. Huh, check that out. Okay, here's what he says. Many, may many souls fly to Jesus because they see others speeding in that direction. Let me say that again. Like, your testimony, he says in another place, if you can't speak the gospel with your tongue, show the gospel with your hands. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't use words to articulate the gospel. When it's impossible to speak it out loud, show it with your hands. Many souls will fly to him because they see others speeding in that direction. Why not? The coming together of the saints, people who believe in Jesus, is the first part of Pentecost. If you go back to Acts chapter 2 and 4, you'll see that what they were doing often is they were gathered in rooms praying. That's what they would do. And then what would God do after that? The Spirit of God would move and people would get saved. The ingathering of sinners is the second. It began with only a quote-unquote prayer meeting, but it ended with a grand baptism of thousands of converts. Oh, that the prayers of believers may act as lodestones to sinners. So what I want to do tonight is I want to end with the last five or so minutes, and we could spend so much more. We're going to also celebrate birthdays for April. So if you had a birthday in April, we have cake for you, so yay uh, for cake. But I want to first do two things. I want to, first of all, I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you for encouragement if you're suffering. I also want to pray over you if you're in a season of cheer. Then after that, we're going to um, give God prayers of thanks. And, and so I will, I will let you know when we're going to transition to that. But for that portion, all you're going to do is just turn to the person next to you or pray out loud where you're seated and just say something. just could be a one-liner. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. But let's just pray some thanks towards God. Give God thanks and glory for something that he's doing right now. Okay? After that, we're going to move into a, a time of prayer of confession. I'm going to pray over you and just give you some silence to pray and confess anything that's on your heart, something that you know you've just been just 
disobedient to the Lord, some sin in your life, you need to pray over that. And then finally, we're going we're gonna to end with this. We're going to pray for the lost. And we give you silent time to just pray for one person. Think of one person who you pray God would rescue their heart. They would capture their heart. It could be somebody sitting in this room with you. It could be somebody who's not here, who's usually in this room. It could be somebody who's never come to this building or ever been to a church before. But I want you to pray for that person. Finally, we're going to give prayers for one another. And and at that point, I'll I'll, I'll let you know when we're going to do that. But I would love for you guys just to group up and as many people as you want. But my goal with that prayer time is that nobody leaves this room without being prayed for. So you can share a prayer request with each other or if you know what's going on in somebody else's life and you just want to pray over that, I would ask you to do that. Leaders, if you, you want to jump in, if you see other people who haven't, uh, don't have people praying for them. But my goal is that tonight you would leave this room and know that you were prayed for by name for something that's in your life. Alex, if you could, um, you could just put some like low music underneath um, for me. And I'm going to go ahead. You guys can bow your heads. I'm going to pray over you um, first and then I'll kind of walk you through and transition to the different uh, kind of moments uh, that we're going to pray through. I'll just give you a quick roadmap of where we're going. But I'm going to pray for you. And if you, um, everybody just close your eyes, bow your heads for a second. And the reason why we do this, just so you know, the reason why we do this is just because it helps not be distracted. You don't have to pray with your eyes closed, but it does help to not be distracted. And the other thing I'm going to ask is, um, I want to pray specifically for people. And so if you are suffering, and and you just are in that season where stuff is difficult right now, I would love for you, with everybody not looking around, everybody's not looking at you, it's just between me and you, I would like for you just to raise your hand so I can see if you're suffering, and I want to pray for you personally. I'm not going to say your name out loud, but I will pray for you this week. And so if you're suffering right now, if you're in a season of suffering, just put your hand up if you would just like prayer for suffering, things that are just challenging to you right now. You can put your hands down. Father, you are so good. Lord, you, you, you want us to come near to you. You want us to lay these burdens down at your feet. God, I pray for each of these people, these guys and girls, these students in here who their hearts are heavy. God, they're struggling with things internally and externally. Lord, I pray that you would do exactly as you have always said. I, I, I ask you to hold up your word where it says in Psalms that you are near to the brokenhearted. So God, be near to them tonight. Draw near to them and allow them to know your presence in a new, fresh way. God, create a desire in their hearts to see you more fully. Create Moments in their life where they are able to have moments where they can find joy. And may that joy be found in you. May the joy of the Lord be their strength. God, for others um, who are in a season of cheer, if you're in a season of cheer, everybody's eyes are still closed. Just raise your hand. If you're in a season of cheer right now, you just say, man, things are going well for me. Things are good. Praise God for that. If that's you, I'm just going to pray Ephesians 3 for you. Paul prayed for his friends in the church of Ephesus. Lord, I just pray that you would grant through your spirit 
the riches of your glory, strengthen and power to those who are in a season of cheer right now through your spiritual inner being. May they see you and may you dwell in their hearts through faith. That they would be rooted and grounded in love. May they have strength to comprehend with all other believers the height, the breadth, the length, and the depth of your love for them. May they know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be fi- they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, for those who are going through good things right now, may they learn to praise you. So I'm going to transition now, guys, if you could. I'm just going to read Psalm 9-1, but you can just, where you're seated or to the person next to you, just pray together or pray out loud verbally for the rest of the room. Just one-liners, like, and it doesn't matter if somebody else is speaking. Just fill this room with praise for God. Give him thanks. Psalm 9-1 says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Go ahead now, just as you, as you feel led, just if anything God is doing for you, just praise him and thank him for anything that you have brought to, he has brought to your mind.